The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Ahead of a massive sports weekend, we've made it to a Friday drive. So glad to have you with us. Tomorrow's the Preakness Stakes and Medina Spirit will be racing. So we'll bring back Horse or Rock Band to mark the occasion shortly. Also tomorrow night is the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame ceremony with one of the greatest classes of all time going in. Now, most of the attention I've seen throughout the day has been on the late Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's presence as a result. Kevin Garnett, he's unpredictable. He has a magnetic personality. The late Eddie Sutton, he's going to be presented by Bill Self and John Calipari, among others. Call me weird, but I'm most interested in the quiet guy sitting in the corner. You're weird. You asked for it, sorry. Tim Duncan's a little weird, too. He's the guy we're talking about here who we celebrate today as the first Demon Deacon to ever be inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, and I think he's also the most intriguing speaker as well. This might be a controversial statement, but I don't know if anybody's going to disagree with it. Duncan's the best player going in tomorrow. I know... It's emotional. It's raw. We all loved watching Kobe Bryant play. Tim Duncan is a transcendent talent. And I also think he has the best story of any of the players and coaches and inductees we're going to hear from. A top 10 player ever, the greatest power forward of all time. Duncan's story is also unique. Garnett and Kobe, their paths are similarly aligned. Trailblazers going straight to the NBA from high school. Garnett, he wears the badge as being the first guy, even though there were some in decades prior that didn't get nearly the limelight. Kobe Bryant, a year later in 96, deciding he was going to take his talents to the NBA. And we've seen similar stories since then. They were trailblazers. I'm not minimizing their story, but I don't think they're as unique or as interesting as a 6'11", aspiring Olympic swimmer from the Virgin Islands getting into the hall. Kobe and KG, they won titles for the biggest brands basketball has. The Lakers and the Celtics. Tim Duncan turned the San Antonio Spurs into one of the greatest dynasties we've seen in the history of basketball in a 15-year stretch. It's unbelievable what he did. He won back-to-back ACC titles at Wake Forest, not North Carolina, not Duke, not for Coach K or Dean Smith. He won for Coach Odom. And he was discovered at a place that basketball players really didn't come from. And he had a magnetic, he didn't have a magnetic personality like KG, but he did have a personality that was rooted in hard work and deflecting attention from himself to others, which you don't see a heck of a lot among many of those top 10 players in the history of basketball. Another reason I'm intrigued, I have no clue what to expect. 
How long are we going to set the over-under here? Where are we going to set it in terms of minutes? Duncan is standing on that stage talking about himself. What does uh, history tell us? Like, how long do these things generally last? 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so maybe cut that in thirds and pick a third of that, maybe a fourth <laughs> of that. Five minutes. Five to seven minutes. Oh, that's a good point. I would take the under on that. 336-777-1600. Would you take the over or the under? Five minutes. Tim Duncan speaking tomorrow night. ESPN what if he just 8 blows your socks off and goes like 11 minutes? I hope so. I hope we see the fangs. See, Michael, he was always so calculated with his public image when he played. That's why it was so startling to some to see this competitor that we saw documented in the last dance. We saw it for a 15-minute stretch, vindictive, grudge-holding Michael Jordan in 2009. He stepped out there. He invited the player that made the team for Laney High School to the ceremony to tell him that the coach messed up bringing that guy on the team and not Michael Jordan way back when. That's what we saw. He took grief for it. I don't think we're going to see that from Duncan because that's not who he was. It's not who he is. But I'd like to see some of that personality I hear so much about. Brendan Marks had a great story today for The Athletic uncovering some of these stories. James Borrego, Hornets coach, going to join us at the bottom of the hour his NBA career began as an assistant video coordinator for the Spurs. He later became one of Pop's top assistant coaches working alongside Timmy. He'll share some stories with us as well. And Randolph Childress, a guest on today's show too. What's he going to wear? That's another question I have. Are we sure he's going to wear a suit? I'd be willing to bet he's not wearing a tie. Is he going to wear a blazer? Or is he going to have... Like a long sleeve shirt that's way too big for even him and having the shirt the the shirt tail not tucked in. I'd probably bet on a blazer, a sports coat, something like that, and Will there be a collar on the shirt that he's wearing? Yeah, I think so. There'll be a collar. No, I agree with you though, no tie. Mm-hmm. Kobe's induction. It's gonna be emotional. When Vanessa's speaking I doubt there's going to be a dry eye in the building, except from Duncan. That's not who Timmy is. KG, he's going to talk fast. He's likely going to curse. Michael Jordan, it might be reminiscent of last February, February 2020, where before the world shut down, Michael became a meme again, crying in front of all the luminaries in basketball, celebrating his, quote, little brother saying that a little bit of him died inside when Kobe passed away. I'd be interested to see in what, what differences there are and what Michael says about Kobe presenting him this time versus what we saw from him a year and change ago. This is selfishly the reason why I think Timmy's speech is most intriguing to me, though. No athlete bettered embody, embodied what Wake Forest was about than Tim Duncan. No athlete represented this area better. Chris Paul would probably want a word on that, though. But at Wake Forest, the schooling is the priority. Education is the priority. It was always that for Timmy. He could have been the number one pick in 1995 after his sophomore season. 
He decided not just to stay one more year, but two more years. He's private. He's respected. I think he might be the greatest demon deacon ever. Let me think about that one for a minute, though. I might have to take a few minutes, maybe come up with five demon deacons at the very top, because just listing off one, that probably is too difficult of a task. So give me a minute to think more on that statement. In the meantime, we do have the Preakness Stakes tomorrow. It's the second leg of the Triple Crown. Bob Baffert won't be there, but Medina Spirit will be in Baltimore. So it's time to play America's favorite new game show, Horse or Rock Band. Where, of course, I ask Robert if the name I'm about to give him is the name of a bad band or if it's an actual horse competing in the Preakness Stakes. Robert, are you ready to go? I feel like I should get a prescription for, like, anxiety when we play this in two weeks. Does the music help? Actually, it does. A little bit. I'm going to do something special with the band names in this round. These are the names... These are the original band names for famous bands that were all worse than what they ended up coming up with. Okay, so all these bands that you're naming are no longer called this. Correct. First name. Kara's Flower. Kara with a C or a K? K. K-A-R-A. Kara's Flower. This is a really good one. Uh, I could see this being either one. Kara's flower. I don't know if I would use the flower imagery for a horse, though. But, I mean, maybe there's a backstory. Would you listen to this music, like, in a car, like, with loud volume? Horse or band, Kara's flower. I'm going to say it's a band. That used to be the name of Maroon 5. It wow. is a band. Nice. Next one. Sword hot. On a Friday. <laughs> these are good. I think these are horses. I, th- I would have... Old Robert would have guessed both of those as horses. I'm going to say this one's also a band. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go band final answer. On a Friday. Used to be the name of Radiohead. <laughs> Next name. Ugh. Mickey Blaylock. Oof. Oof. If this is a horse, this is a horse from somewhere that I probably would not like to visit. Horse competing in the Preakness Stakes? Or the former name of a rock band? If it was the former name of a rock band, who would it be? Blaylock. Blaylock what? Mickey Playlock. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Oh, this is tough. This is also the point when I'm like, he's given me two rock bands, so I have to think it's a band. I'm going to say this one's a horse. Mickey Blaylock is a band. Uh, it used to be Pearl Jam. Uh, two more to go. Switched. You need to get one in order to pass this round. Unbridled honor. Is that a horse or a band? Mm, we're going to go quick. That is a horse. Robert Walsh. 
You have passed this round. It is a horse. You can't talk about bridles. I know what a horse needs, baby. 15 to 1 odds. Unbridled honor. Competing in the Preakness Stakes. Last name. Concert tour. <laughs> band or horse. That would be a very terrible band name. I'm gonna say it's a. I'm gonna say that that is a horse. Concert tour is a horse. Ah, oh, let's go. Oh, I was favorite. not confident about that. Medina Spirit and Concert Tour, the favorites. Robert got four out of five. That's not bad. I'm getting better at this. Great stuff. And that's the first round of horse or rock band. James Borrego, Hornets coach, going to join us. And a little over 15 minutes before we get to him at the bottom of the hour. Two orders of business to take care of. The official return of playoff crowds in North Carolina. Pretty big news to tell you about there. And my list, I'll call it the five greatest Demon Deacons in Wake basketball history. That's all next on The Drive. Instead of just talking, why don't you listen? That's why you have people call in. Listen for a minute. Oh, welcome back to the Happy Circle. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. On a professional level, the most concise way to put it is no Duncan, no championships. That was Greg Popovich earlier this week talking about Tim Duncan, who will go into the Hall of Fame tomorrow. We're now being joined by the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, James Borrego. But once upon a time, was this spry young man coming out of the West Coast Conference where his first NBA job as an assistant was as a video coordinator for the Spurs in 2003, about the time where Tim Duncan was winning MVPs and NBA championships. Do you remember what your first impression was of Timmy? Oh, boy. Soft-spoken, humble. Uh, but also competitive. It was a summer league. I mean, it was I mean, it wasn't summer league, but it was pickup ball at the Spurs facility, and it was amazing just to watch him want to win every single summer pickup game. You know, and probably my favorite memory or my first memory of Tim was they were I think we were down probably one or two bodies. We needed you know to play five on five and. He called me out there and he put me on his team. So it was a summer league, or a, a summer pickup game. He says, "Let's go." So he did. I don't think we probably been introduced a, a couple times, and I've been around the facility for a couple days. And he threw me in the fire with his team, and uh, it was a joy. I mean, just to just to compete on his team. I can always say I, you know, competed on the same team as Tim Duncan, literally on the floor, and it literally happened in the first. You know, probably my first week there uh, with San Antonio. So, uh, but just a humble, genuine, he made everybody in the room feel comfortable and welcome and a part of it. Yet he carried himself with this competitive fire and spirit that drove that entire organization. When your best player is as coachable as he was and puts himself at the same level as somebody who might not get any minutes in a game, how does that affect the coach's ability to coach the rest of the team? Well, it changes everything for the coach. You know, when, when Tim Duncan is willing and able to take coaching, the 15th man can take it. One through 15 can take it. And he did it with such, you know, grace and humility and ownership and responsibility. Uh, 
you know, and, and Pop and, and Tim had that synergy, and Pop knew that he could coach the team through Tim Duncan. Even though Tim wasn't, may not have been responsible for that loss or that win or whatever it was, when he went at Tim Duncan, everybody rose up. Everybody felt it. And, um, you know, it just allowed him to, to coach the entire team. There was not one player that was uncoachable because if Tim Duncan was in line, you had to be in line. And if not, you were going to stand out. And so he was, he was special that way. That's hard to find in today's league, but he did it uh, on a year-to-year basis. And, you know, I loved him because, you know, through wins, he would praise his teammates. Through losses, he took ownership of that. He, 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 he took that weight on his shoulders and, you know, didn't want anybody else to feel it but himself. And uh, that's what made him so special night in and night out. Hornets coach James Borrego with us here on WSJS Sports. I get the game is so perimeter-oriented now, but are you surprised nobody has really tried to use the bank shot, to use the glass like Timmy did just a handful of years ago? Yes, yes, I'm very surprised. I mean, the post game is, you know, it's. Uh, I think we're seeing it come back a little bit, even with some wings, the way teams are switching. So you get a little bit a little bit of post play by some bigs, Embiid and Jokic, and there's a few others out there that can you can still throw it down to. But um, the art of the post up and the art of the face up bank shot is just gone. You know, I, I don't, I can't think of a player right now that's consistently opening up, facing the bucket, and banking in those shots. Um, even when Tim was playing, I mean, think of how many guys you could count, maybe a handful of guys that would do that. So um, it's not taught anymore. You don't, you definitely don't see that the the youth level, the college level, it's just, you know, we, we've lost the bank shot. I think, you know, hopefully Timmy can help resurrect it in some way, somehow. And um, I missed the, the, the post game. I was I was a post player myself, and I love the footwork. I love Timmy's footwork, uh, the ability to, to play facing the basket at that Malone spot or back to the basket. Um, he was special. I was watching some clips of him this morning, just kind of going through my um, – my edit for this evening and I'll share with my guys a few, you know, a few Tim Duncan stories and a couple of video clips of him. And he was just such a fundamentally sound player. And he had these long, big hands, long arms, but he, you know, his post game was so smooth and efficient, but it really started with the bank shot. The bank shot really set up a lot of his post game. And uh, it's unfortunate that we just don't have it much in our game anymore. I started thinking, one way he could maybe bring it back is if he was a coach, but I remember Pop saying, I think earlier this year, that Timmy was the worst assistant coach he's ever had because he had to pull him to do everything. I remember Timmy. He's so uncomfortable in the spotlight. That's always what we hear. And most recently, yeah. as a Spurs assistant, he had to fill in for Pop that one game against you guys. And I just remember yeah. that post-game press conference. He was so uncomfortable. I can't even begin, yeah. JB, to think how he's yeah. going to be tomorrow night talking about himself. Boy, you know, it, it's just not It's just not Timmy. He does not want to talk about himself. He does not love the spotlight. Again, he wants to deflect it on everybody else. He wants everybody else to get the praise and. My guess is that's what tomorrow will be about for Timmy is giving praise to those people around him, the people that helped him get to that point, the people that he got to compete with. I think we'll, we'll hear very little about himself. It's going to be concise and, and uh, simple, but it's going to be powerful because of the attention he'll put on the other people around him. And, 
it's just hard to find guys like that. You know, most everybody comes up, they, you know, they want the attention, they want the, the accolades. This guy was built differently. It's Hornets coach James Borrego. Before I let you go, I need at least one example of Tim Duncan's humor, whether it be his obsession with swords or video games or dumb comic book action movies. Give me, give me something that's, that tells us more of who this guy was. Well, you know, there's a couple things. You know, it, it's not a game, but this was Tim Duncan, you know, in a, in a nutshell for me. I'm a video coordinator. It's, you know, we're in Seattle. It's a big game, and, you know, we come in at halftime, and, you know, Pop, you know, you know Pop's going to chew on us a little bit. And so I have an old-school projector, you know, and, you know, you got to show the film at halftime. you got to have the projector up and, and running. It's not like a TV that you could just turn on and off. That that bulb needs to fire up. So, you know, I have it on and lo and behold, Tim Duncan, you know, halftime pulls the plug on my, on my projector. So we're this the heat of battle. My heart is pumping. My heart is racing. I'm like a first-time video coordinator. And Tim, just in his own savvy way and, you know, pulls that plug on me. And, you know, the room is laughing, they're dying, they're cracking up, and there's Tim with a big grin on his face, you know, as, as he knows Pop's about to go ballistic. But it kept the tone for the rest of the night. You know, everybody settled in, and, you know, Pop, uh, Tim just has a way of uh, settling everybody, and he has a great pulse on the room and what's necessary. The other one is just playing paintball with him. He invited me to play paintball. Oh, no. And I don't know if you know that. He's a big-time paintball guy. Yep. And... So I never played paintball. So I'm out there. Okay, great. After the season, I'm excited. I get to be around these guys and, you know, have some fun. And he puts me on the other team and, you know, doesn't give me much, you know, direction. Just, you know, here's, here's your gun and kind of go. And I must have got pelted by him, I don't know, 15, 20 straight times. Took it right to the, you know, right to the back. I had no idea what I was doing, but he... he he had no mercy on me. He just laid me out at the paintball field. So, um, but I love the guy. Uh, I'll never forget what he's done for me and my family. So I'll say a big toast to him tonight, tomorrow, and uh, just uh, thankful for my time together with him. Coach, I know you got a plane to catch to New York. Do me a favor. Don't get thrown out this weekend. All right. You got it, buddy. You got it. <laughs> That's James Borrego. The last two games of the Hornets' regular season, tomorrow and Sunday, it's going to be 1 o'clock tips, Madison Square Garden, and whatever they're calling that arena now in D.C. I think it's Capital One Arena. I could be wrong on that. Let's hope the Hornets get that number 8 seed by the next time we talk to you guys on Monday. Did you know, Robert, that's the first time James Borrego got thrown out of a game earlier this week? I saw that. I saw that little nugget. We had more time. He had the plane to catch, so we had to let him go. I wish we could have figured out what the magic word he said was. I don't think we could probably get it cleared on the FCC, uh, by the FCC, unless we get an exception. I don't know. But uh, he doesn't strike me as somebody who's probably ever been thrown out before. He played college basketball in the West Coast Conference at San Diego, then was an assistant coach there before becoming an assistant. You don't really see assistant coaches getting thrown out of games ever. So 
I have to imagine, while earlier this week was the first time that JB got thrown out of an NBA game, this being his third season as an NBA coach with the Hornets, I have to think that's probably the first time he's ever been thrown out of a basketball game, period. Especially as a coach, but as a player, I don't know. He just doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be mouthing off and getting tossed. I think I've told you before, when I played high school soccer, I was a talker. That's a shock, right? That does not surprise me. (laughs) You would hate competing with me. You would hate it. Because I wasn't the best player on the team, but I wasn't the worst. And I talked like I was the best player on the team. There's no question about that. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We've spent a lot of time talking about Timmy, and for good reason. So we're now going to look at the rest of the Hall of Fame class, but there's a lot of Hall of Famers to talk about here. So to make it as concise as possible, it's Friday. We're going to keep it simple, talking about the entire 2020 Hall of Fame class for the Naismith Hall of Fame that will be recognized here in 2021 tomorrow night at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. That's next on The Drive. What the hell is this show? Why does everybody keep talking about it? You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Easily the best thing I read today was scribed by our friend Brendan Marks from The Athletic. That's the place you can find the story. Authored by Brendan alongside C.J. Moore. The never-before-told ta- never tales of Tim Duncan's Wake Forest career from footnote to Hall of Fame. You did the impossible. You and C.J. together, Brendan. You found interesting Tim Duncan stories because... When I asked one of the greatest sports writers ever a couple days ago, Bob Ryan, what stories he had covering his entire career, he said there are no good Tim Duncan stories. Well, you put that to rest in your story, and I want to ask, I don't want to give away all the things in it, but there's one I wanted some detail about. Peyton Manning apparently wanted to seek out Tim Duncan for advice when they were both in college. How exactly did those two link up? Yeah, I actually have had a lot of people text me uh, about that specific section. I'm not sure how many people are aware of that fact, but uh, as Peyton sort of told me, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but you know, Peyton was at the time deciding whether or not he should be returning to Tennessee for his senior season. And Uh, He went home after, I guess, they finished their bowl game and was pretty set on leaving. You know, got to spend time with his family. He's like, you know, I went out on a good run. The bowl was good. You know, I'm I'm finished. Then he goes back to campus. He's working out with his teammates. He realizes how much he's enjoying himself. And he's thinking, you know, maybe I'm I'm not quite ready to give this up. So he starts going around and asking for advice from a bunch of people. Drew Bledsoe even gets in touch with Michael Jordan, talking to a bunch of people about how did you make your decision to stay or go. Well, most of them told him to go. Obviously, the opportunity to be the number one pick is very enticing. Well, Peyton wanted someone who had chosen the opposite, and that person who had done so just months previously was Tim Duncan. So after a game when Wake Forest beat uh, Virginia in Virginia late February of, uh, I think it's 97. That's right. The year's mixed up. uh, Peyton basically comes down to the locker room after Wake Forest beats Virginia, and he says, hey, Tim, do you have a minute? And Tim says, yeah, sure thing. And 
Peyton asked him, what is, you know, how did you make this decision? What was the thing that kept you here? And, and Tim said, I always felt like I could get more ready. You know, I might be ready now, but I could get more ready. I could be more prepared. And at the same time, I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love my school. And I want to have the true college experience. And Peyton said to me that, you know, his first three seasons at Tennessee, he felt like he was sprinting everywhere from practice to class to an interview, back to practice, to watch film, you know. He felt like he was exhausted, and the only thing he was going to remember from college was playing football and not actually being a student. So uh, he ultimately ends up making this decision, and he said, you know, Tim Duncan sort of gave me a stamp of approval. And I thought, if Tim Duncan's good enough to stay, certainly I am too. And, and I just think it's a, a crazy story all these years later to think what might have been if that conversation doesn't happen. On Twitter, at Brendan R. Marks, the story, again, the never-before-told tales of Tim Duncan's Wake Forest career from footnote to Hall of Fame. You can find it on The Athletic. What's your favorite thing that you uncovered reporting for this story? Oh, boy, there's there's a lot in there, and there's a, a good number of things that we ended up, unfortunately, having to cut that didn't make it into the story. Give me one of those. Um, Before we get to your I, favorite I, thing that's in the story, give me one of those that were left out. Um, so Tim Duncan uh, currently owns a car shop in uh, San Antonio. There might actually be multiple, but he's, he's a huge car fanatic, loves cars, loves tinkering on them. And uh, we sort of heard the story of the first time that he was learning to drive, and it was at Wake Forest, and uh, it was actually in the snow. And Tim's like, this can't be any harder than normal. And, uh, you know, Tim, Tim accelerated too fast, car goes sideways. And the person who was the passenger seat in the car basically looked at him, and she's like, I've never seen someone more terrified. She said, we were Tokyo drifting. Um, so so <laughs> learning all about Tim's love for cars I think is hilarious, uh, and especially because, as, as evidenced by the shop that he still has today, I mean, this is a, a passion that he's still got going. So that's something that was on the cutting-edge floor. There are so many stories in here. I'm not even that concerned about spoiling the story if you pick one more thing, but... There's just so much good stuff that brings out the person that we've always heard about. He's hey, a humorous guy. He's got a great sense of humor. We just never saw it. This story gave us some of that. So what was the single thing you'd point to and say, man, this was pretty special? Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. You know, the idea that he is this straight-faced, boring, you know, no-personality guy. And, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean... It's just that he doesn't choose to share that with people who aren't in his inner circle. He's very much a, a small circle kind of guy. So, um, you know, one, one example of that humor that I thought was especially funny, but uh, a couple of his friends, including, you know, former Wake Forest assistant Randolph Childress, they've still got a, a group thread, a text message thread going on, and apparently it's just full of jokes and full of jokes. And um, someone asked him recently why, you know, with his bad knees, which were the reason he sort of left the NBA, why he was still working out so hard. He kicked boxes, you know, five or so days a week. And Tim said, it's because I don't want the paparazzi to take a picture of me and run it with the headline. Look, the person who ate Tim Duncan. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just thought that that was like so understated and so hilarious. Like he has that very dry, quick-witted sense of humor. So um, as someone who, who appreciates that kind of thing, I, I just thought that was awesome. We'll have to bring that up to Randolph when he joins us in about an hour. Brendan Marks with us here on WSCS Sports. What speech are you most looking forward to hearing tomorrow night? Oh, boy. I mean, after all my work on this, obviously you want to hear uh, from Tim Duncan. I'd be interested to know exactly what he shares. But um, I, I'm obviously, you know, fascinated and, you know, devastated, but, but very interested to hear what is said about Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, I think that 
I just think back to the moment when we first found out that he had passed and how devastating that was. And, and this is such a beautiful moment, but um, it's obviously less beautiful because he's not here to celebrate in it and to, to sort of, um, you know, give the life to this speech and to this class that he gave to the game. So uh, I obviously want to hear about Tim. I think that it's going to be an awesome weekend altogether, but um, the Kobe stuff is, is certainly something that I'm sure we're going to see making the rounds on social media for, for how emotional it is. No doubt. Brendan? Excellent work as always. Thanks for squeezing in the time for us today. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. You got it. He's on Twitter again at Brendan R. Marks. Great story on uh, Tim Duncan's playing days at Wake Forest. This was a pretty earnest note in the story. I'll read it straight from the Q&A. Dave Odom, who joined us yesterday, was trying to convey just how competitive Tim was when he was in college. And he said, quote, We're playing at the University of Massachusetts. John Calipari is the coach. They've got Marcus Camby. It's a huge game. Neither Camby or Duncan played worth a flip, though. They beat us in a fairly close game. I'm kind of worried after the game because it was Tim's first game where I knew the national media was going to be there and I didn't know how he would take it. So one-on-one, the media quizzed him and he answered politely, no problem. Finally, he and I are left there, and it's just dead silence for what felt like 15 minutes, but it was probably 30 seconds or a minute. I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there waiting for him to respond because I knew he felt horrible. His head came up, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, Do you still love me? I said, Tim, it's one game. It's one game. You didn't play well but it's only one game. It's not a career. Good stuff from Brendan. Strongly suggest you read that story. Robert, I think you and I combined have gone to the dentist over a hundred times. You and I combined. I went to the dentist this morning and I started thinking about this question because I was interested in what your answer would be. What lies do you tell the dentist? But what lies do you feel comfortable telling? It's always about flossing for me. I do floss. I use these threaders and stuff. Or I use the picks. And then I have this retainer on my middle teeth on the bottom row that I have to use a threader for, but I never do. And it's always pointed out to me. And I always try to find a polite way to say, oh, yeah, I might do that when in reality I'm not going to. How do you approach that? I've always uh, just been straight up with them with doctors too and they were like well, you just oh. say i'm not gonna do that well no i just say i haven't done that or i, mm. I like when they ask you like i would be honest with them and tell them i smoked or with anything they told me to do i generally try to put into use and do it but with braces it's so hard to you have to buy these new different flossers that aren't the same picks because your oh, yeah. your things are in the way so like naturally i kind of use my uh the water pulse stuff i use like mouthwash, but no, I'm not really flossing that much. And it, it generally is okay because, I mean, they can tell if you're lying. You know what I mean? <laughs> they see uh, your teeth. They see more teeth than, than we'll ever see. Uh, and the toothbrush or toothpaste you use is never good enough. They never, never ask me about that. Oh, I got asked about it this morning. You ever think about the electric toothbrush? Yeah, you think about that. Eh, how about uh, toothpaste? This is the good toothpaste right here. Okay. Gotcha. 
Am I the only one that just looks for what the cheapest toothpaste is and that's what I go with? I used to be like that until you buy one that's terrible and now I just kind of stick what with... What is terrible toothpaste? I will bring you in a couple tubes of it. My mom is a bargain shopper and like maybe a year ago, two years ago, she bought like these... Kathy's brand? What does it say? I, I don't even know what the brand is. I mean, it's just generic toothpaste, but it's got like baking soda. It's awful. You can end up with a real stinker. So, I mean, when I find something I like, whether it's toothpaste or de- uh, deodorant or anything like that, once I find something I like and it works, I generally stick with that and I stop uh, penny pension on that. I love my dentist. Doesn't mean I love going to the dentist. I kind of do. Oh, I love getting my the teeth sound, clean. The sound of when they're like picking at your teeth. Yeah. Oh, it's not a great sound. But it's progress, you know. Oh, it's getting it's better. Uncomfortable. I kind of dig it, just because like I like feeling my teeth. Those like next six or seven days when you're just constantly licking the back of your teeth, and you're like, oh, this is what it feels like. I to have literally a clean just mouth. did that as you were saying. That. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great feeling. It's one that I can't feel right now because I haven't had. I'm due for a teeth cleaning. Coming up. Why no athlete embodied and represented Wake Forest better than Tim Duncan? Keep it here on The Drive. Let's go! And QID. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I've been walking it's the perfect way to close a week. I sing this... At a karaoke bar last Saturday in Winston. Shouts to Tea Time. I'll have to go back. Robert, would you like to join me? I don't know if I'll be singing, but I'll probably drink a beer or two. Let's make that happen sometime soon. Where we sing a little bit of Rhinestone Cowboy to close out the week. Fun stuff today. The Randolph Childress interview is already up on our podcast channel. Make sure you listen to that. Appreciate Hornets coach James Borrego. And the Athletics' Brendan Marks for dropping by as well. Congratulations to Robert for winning all three rounds of course for Rock Band. Before we take it to the house, like a rhinestone cowboy. Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Getting cards and letters from people I don't even know. And all fun's going over. Let's take it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. This didn't make the video, but I tried to get really high like I did there. And my voice cracked really badly. Today or at the... Uh, at the karaoke bar. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I think it's pretty apparent that I like animals at this point. I dig talking about them. So when I saw that the uh, North Carolina was considering some new state symbols for animals and maybe to put some into categories that we didn't have, I was interested until I saw that it might knock the gray squirrel, which is currently our state's mammal, off its perch. Uh, oh. but, but before I get to that, I'll run through some other things. Uh... The man that is proposing these is Bobby Hannock. He is from, uh, I'm not sure where he's from. That's not really important. But I do appreciate that he's putting these things forward, like suggesting that the bottlenose dolphin should be North Carolina's uh, state marine mammal, which we do not currently have. 
Uh, and unfortunately, it was shut down. And we will continue to not have a state marine animal. Uh, Do we need to- a state marine animal? Uh, I mean, that, that would be cool. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Either way, it would pr- probably uh, allow a little more conservation. Same thing for the loggerhead turtle, a saltwater reptile. They said no to that. They did agree on a state raptor, which is now the osprey. So you can know that. And like I said, the gray squirrel is currently our uh, state's mammal. That might get knocked off its perch as we are going to replace that with the black bear. And you might say, ah, oh, black bears aren't around here that much. Well, they're in the mountains. They aren't around here much over all of North Carolina. That's true. But most of this is raised due to a 44-year-old hunter who was fatally shot back last January uh, during a duck hunting trip, and he really did a lot of hunter safety advocacy work and really liked the black bears, and this is something he was trying to champion going forward. It has been approved here, and it is going to the Senate to get approved, so we might have a new state mammal. I just thought that was pretty cool. It's been that way since 1969. Who would you make? What would you make our state mammal? I would I would agree in this case that the black bear, if, if they have a good uh, reason behind it and uh, we're able to convince the house, that's cool. I'm down with the black bear. I like the black bear too. I can get behind that. What a week it's been. Enjoy the Hall of Fame speeches and the playoffs beginning. Hopefully the Hornets are going to lock down the 8th seed by the next time we talk. And the Preakness Stakes and the WNBA. There's just so much. And we'll sum it all up on a Monday drive.